We're taking you from sideline to sideline and everything in between. It's your one-stop shop for all things football. Join me, Aaron Mukes, every Wednesday and Friday for fresh takes, breaking news, fantasy gold, and more. College and NFL, we got you covered. This is Sideline to Sideline, the podcast. Ball is spotted. The kick is away. And the kick is... Here comes the rush, and here's the hit. Second down attempt. Oh, what a hit. You can't do that. The quarterback, you can't fight. The 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms. Here, tested. Somebody stop that man. Ladies and gentlemen, now your host, Mr. Aaron Mukes, and his co-host, Akeem. This is your one-stop shop for all college and NFL football. Here is Sideline to Sideline. Week two is in the books. Welcome in to Sideline to Sideline, the podcast. I am your host, Aaron Mukes. Man, what a week. Uh, A lot of injuries. So many teams just riddled with injuries. Uh, we're going to talk about why that is. We're going to talk about the difference, the different training camp situation this year, the 2020, obviously COVID impact, not having OTAs. We're going to get into all of that. We're going to, we're going to go into this rant today is, is, is going to be one for the ages, man. I'm going to talk about a quarterback that I've had it with. I, I'm, I was a fan of coming out of college. Uh, you know, I was actually hoping that he, he was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys and I, I've seen enough. And I'm gonna let you guys know who that is. I got a lot to say about this, about this player. Uh, I want to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars today too, man. I think that a lot of talk going into the season was about tanking, and you guys already know my thoughts on tanking. I don't think NFL teams tank. So I want to talk about the Jaguars and kind of their their progress and where they're where they're headed because I'm seeing a lot of good things. And the more I watch Gardner Minshew play, the more I like it. So we'll talk about them. We definitely have to get in to this Atlanta coaching, how you blow that game is beyond me. <laughs> I mean, as, as a Cowboy fan, I was extremely grateful for the fact that Atlanta has no clue what they're doing. But we're going to get into that coaching situation over there with Dan Quinn. And then we're going to talk about the Wild Wild West. And by the Wild Wild West, I mean the NFC West, seemingly the best division in football. We're going to get into that. We're going to break that all down. And then we'll preview Monday night's game, game of the year thus far, Kansas City and Baltimore, two of the favorites. Uh, Really, really excited for that game. And then we'll get into my week two recap for my picks and my week three picks. Uh, As I am 2-0 heading in to week three for my lock of the week. So if you're not paying attention, you might want to start paying attention now. But first, let's do it. Let's go sideline to sideline. Let's go. All right, first up, man, sideline to sideline, we got Blake Bortles this morning signs with the Denver Broncos. Come on, man. How many chances is this guy going to get? This is, uh, <clears throat> I mean, this is almost getting to the Brock Osweiler point, and he just keeps getting signed. This is what everybody's having issues with. This is the Kaepernick conversation. How does guy? How do guys like Blake Bortles keep getting jobs when there's better available players out there. It's just it's it's just absurd. Uh Blake Bortles playing in Denver is 
is a non-story. Let's keep it moving. Devontae Freeman, Philly and the Giants. He visited both teams this week. Um, it's interesting after Saquon Barkley's injury, I think Freeman might sign with the Giants. I don't know how much he's going to help him. He hasn't really been a productive back over the past couple of seasons due to his injuries. And, and really, since since Shanahan left Atlanta, Devontae Freeman has been uh, less than stellar, let's say that. Uh, he still has some skill, but it's it's nothing special. And behind that offensive line and in that offense, I don't see that signing make a huge, making a huge impact. And the last thing is the Jets are terrible. Terrible. That's it. Just wanted to mention that. Uh, I figured I, I finished my uh, the quick the quick quick goes or the quick report with the uh, the Jets are terrible. Simple as that. <clears throat> so let's get right into it, man. I want to talk about this play this player this quarterback from a small school. I thought I thought Dallas was going to go after him after the Tony Romo. You know, he was on his way out. Carson Wentz. And there are some Carson Wentz apologists and stands out there that are going to argue it's the team. Carson Wentz is elite. I am sick. Sick to my stomach. Sitting here on this Tuesday morning. That's when we're recording this. Tuesday morning. I am sick to my stomach from watching him play. Why does he continued to get a pass. Why does he continue to be looked at like an elite passer in the game of football and he's done absolutely nothing? It's ridiculous. I'm sick of it. Where where did he where did he get that I mean, where does he get that leeway, that pass? If this was Dak Prescott, they'd be riding him. Oh, no contract. Doesn't deserve it. If this was, you know, Patrick Mahomes, oh, he's struggling. This was Aaron Rodgers. That's why they drafted Jordan Love. Where, when and where is Carson Wentz going to be held accountable? All I hear is, oh, well, they don't have a great offensive line. Oh, well, they didn't have the weapons last year. Why does, why are there so many excuses for this guy? What has he done to, to tell us that he's an elite quarterback in this game? Everybody always says, well, he has all the tools. Well, guess what? There have been a lot of quarterbacks in the National Football League that have had all the tools that didn't pan out. I, I remember the Ryan Leafs. I remember the Jamarcus Russells, the Sam Bradfords. And, and I'm not saying that he's at that point where he shouldn't be on a roster. What I'm saying is, when are we going to start talking about him for what he actually is? Every list, every single list I saw coming into this season, there were the elite guys, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. And then right after that, it was this this up and coming rising star list, right? And you had Carson Wentz right there. Every single time, Carson Wentz. I saw football analysts, ex-quarterbacks go on the air complaining he didn't make the top 100 list from players. Other players vote on this list. He didn't make the top 100. People up in arms. Oh, this list is bogus. Carson Wentz isn't on it. Dak Prescott's at number 44. Carson Wentz isn't on the list. How is Josh Allen on the list? Carson Wentz isn't even on the list. 
Are you telling me you can watch these guys play, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, and then watch Carson Wentz play, and you think he's better than them? How? I, I, I challenge anybody. I don't care what experience you have. I challenge anybody to show me where Carson Wentz is better than these other guys. And I know we're two games in, but this is not a, I'm not talking about two games. You understand? I'm, I'm talking about a, a course of four years and two games where, where we've seen Carson Wentz go since, since 2017. Okay. Since 2017, I won't even count his rookie year. He's a rookie came out, whatever. Since 2017, when he had started the season, 13 games in, he looked like an MVP candidate. He played amazing. Got hurt. We all know the story. Foles goes on to win the Super Bowl. Since that time, so 2018 to today, 2018-2019, he's gone 14-15. and 14-15. and 15. He's below 500. Prior to that, Okay, just that's just in the last 29 games. He's 14 and 15. I mean, that's the definition of average. Prior to that, he goes 11 and 2. Looks like an MVP candidate. Not knocking that. He had a great 2017 year. The year before his rookie season, he went 7 and 9. His record as an NFL starting quarterback is 32 and 26. Damn near 500. 500. And he's elite. That's the category we want to put him in, elite. And he gets paid, just signed a four-year, $128 million deal, 32 average per year, 66 guaranteed. He got paid like an elite quarterback for one good year? Scratch that. For 13 games where he played at an elite level. This is what's wrong with, with the NFL when they pay guys. There's no justification. This is why Dak Prescott can walk into any room with Jerry Jones and say, I want $40 million. Because you gave, this team gave that guy $32 million a year. He's played in one playoff game. And he played, he threw four passes and he got hurt. One playoff game. Never won a playoff game. He's played in one playoff game. Since 2017, he has a below 500 record, but he got paid. What's the excuse? I, I, I challenge anybody. What's the excuse? Last year it was, oh, he has no weapons. And then he goes and he wins four straight games for the Eagles to get him into the playoffs. Do, do, do we really want to talk about what happened last year? They were terrible. They just played in a worse division. They played in a terrible division. The last four games he beat Dallas, the Giants, and Washington. Those are the only three teams he beat. None of those teams made the playoffs. They were all terrible. And I'm supposed to be up in arms and, and praising this guy as the next elite guy for winning a division that consisted of those three teams that were absolutely terrible. I, I don't understand it. Through two games, let's let, 
All right, last year was last year. He didn't have the weapons. He won four straight games. Good for him. He was throwing to guys like Greg, Greg Ward. This year, they go out and they draft Jalen Rager. They, 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 they went out and specifically got, to, like, Deshaun Jackson is healthy. They get Jalen Rager. Their guys are back. Now, there's no Alshon, but he's been hurt his whole career. The talk coming into this season was they finally got Carson Wentz some weapons. Miles Sanders looked good. All, all these, you know, all this talk. The offensive line's better. Their defense, they get, you know, Darius Slay on the defensive end, so their secondary is going to be better. So now this is the best, quote-unquote, one of the best Philly teams that's been there talent-wise. They have the same coaching staff that just won the Super Bowl. With Nick Foles, mind you, who's a backup quarterback in Chicago with an even worse quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky. So the same coaching staff that won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. And what happens? Well, we got we got all these weapons. First of all, they use the second round pick to draft Jalen Hurts. Red flag right there. Either you don't trust Carson Wentz to stay healthy, or you really are starting to second guess whether he's your franchise guy. Otherwise, you wouldn't use that draft capital that high. Especially to take a guy who's has question marks of his own. So through two games, against Washington and against the Rams, Washington is terrible, let's be honest. They're not a good team. And the Rams, are they're good, they're decent, and they're playing a lot better this year. He is 50 for 85 for 512 yards, two touchdowns, four interceptions. And, the, I mean, the interceptions are bad. These are interceptions after you're up 17-0 on Washington. You let them back in the game by throwing a pick. And this interception last week, it's first and 10. You're, you're going in to score. You're down 21-16 to the Rams. You're going in to score. It's first and 10. And you force a ball over the middle into double coverage and, and just change the, the, the momentum in that game and gave it all right back to the Rams and – you cost your team the win because the Eagles came back. They were playing really well. And then Carson Wentz goes to make some mistake like that. And he cost him. He cost him the win. He cost him the win the first week, throwing bad interceptions. And this is not, this is not a, a hate for the Eagles. Okay. I know everybody's going to say you're a Cowboy fan. I don't care whether the Eagles are good or bad, to be honest. I didn't care in 2017 when they won the Super Bowl. I'm tired of people talking, pray, you know, talking up Carson Wentz and giving him praise and he's done nothing to deserve it. Nothing. What has he done outside of 13 good games? It's, I mean, his completion percentage is under 60% this year. Only, get this, only one quarterback through two games, again, it's just a small sample size, but only one quarterback in the NFL has a worse QBR than Carson Wentz. One. But, but he's a top six guy. One quarterback, and that's Dwayne Haskins, who beat him week one. So, so wait, wait, let me get this straight. Only one guy, only one guy has a worse QBR than you through two weeks, and he beats you the first week of the season. How does that work? Classic overreaction to one season. The media should be ashamed of themselves for, for talking this guy up. The Eagles should be ashamed of themselves for paying this guy. And I'm I'm done. Done with Carson Wentz. I Jalen Hurts should be the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles tomorrow. 
maybe Carson Wentz does have the skill. Maybe it's in his head, but he's the reason the Eagles are underperforming. And don't get me wrong, I'm 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 not I'm not a believer that the Eagles roster is that great anyways. Like like some of the others. <clears throat> but Carson Wentz has he's not a rookie quarterback anymore. This is his fifth year. And you stack him against Dak Prescott, and you tell me Dak Prescott's not a better quarterback. If you want to go on wins, he has more wins. Want to go on playoffs? He's been to the playoffs more. He's won a playoff game. Carson Wentz hasn't even played in one. I mean, I mean, what do you... Oh, well, he has better weapons around him. That's funny. He also has worse coaching around him. You cannot watch them play. The eyeball test tells you everything you... You cannot watch them play and tell me that Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott, than Josh Allen, than, uh, honestly, Jimmy Garoppolo. I-, I would take all these guys over Carson Wentz. Done with them. Jalen Hurts time. And I know Philly fans aren't going to put up with it. Philly fans, they got them crazy. Man, there's some crazy, some crazy dogs right there. They're not going to put up with it. If he keeps going the way he's going, he'd be getting booed out of his own stadium right now. He's lucky COVID hit and there's no fans. Carson Wentz, you're done. Hang it up. I'm done with him. Philly's done with him. Jalen Hurts is uh is on his way. And you better you better hope that that you have Doug Peterson on your side because it could get real ugly real fast in Philadelphia. Real fast. And, and you know, th- this week, so. After, after an easy game, you know, easy start to the season, supposedly, right? They get another easy game this week. Quote, unquote, easy game. He's going to go face Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And you guys all know how I feel about Joe Burrow. <clears throat> We're going to talk a little bit about him later. But you guys all know my take on Joe Burrow. I don't think he's going to be very good. I think he's a career backup. He's holding the headset in a couple of years. But if you go and you lose to Cincinnati... That might that's that that really might be the la- the last straw. That could be the end. So, uh, I'll, I'll tell you who I got later in that game, but it might surprise you. Whew, I had to get that off my chest, man. Uh, Carson Wentz is a guy that I was I was rooting for because I wanted the I wanted the Dallas Cowboys to take him with the fourth overall pick <clears throat> when they decided to take Zeke. Which, by the way, is a blessing because that dude's a monster. But I would have been wrong if he came into Dallas and played like this. I'd be, I'd be pissed off. We wasted the fourth overall pick for this guy. So, um, <clears throat> I want to get into this Jaguars talk. There, there was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of people talking about tanking at the beginning of the season. The Jaguars were trading everybody: Jalen Ramsey, uh, Yannick Ngakwe. I mean, they just, there's been a number of players that have just departed from Jacksonville following the, following the, the all the drama, the, the drama that was, that was going on there in the, in the front office. You had Tom Coughlin who didn't relate to the players. They felt like he was, you know, he had this old school mentality and players nowadays, they're, I mean, let's face it, they're soft. They're a little bit different. Well, I think what Jacksonville is showing is that there is no such thing as tanking in the NFL. Let's just be real. All these guys that are trading were all good, great players. Good to great players. 
But when the next guy comes up, he can't afford to to tank. Like he can't afford to let people score or let people run him over. Like he's playing for his job, whether it's in Jacksonville or the next team. So this idea of tanking in the NFL, I really want to just let's just squash it. Don't want to hear it anymore. Now the organization may be playing young players um to to develop them and in turn that might result in a bunch of losses but they're not purposely losing games and tanking is purposely losing games like i'm gonna pull my guys out like gardner Minshew's throwing for 300 yards you know what i'm gonna pull them out so we lose to me that's tanking other than that they're rebuilding they're trying to develop these young players they're letting young guys get opportunities and you see what's happened <clears throat> Through two weeks, yeah, they're one and one, but they eat very easily. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm dying over here. I'm still pissed off about that damn rant. They very easily could be two and zero. Oh. They, I mean, they battled Tennessee. They gave them everything they could handle. And Gardner Minshew is a baller. He reminds me a lot of uh, of Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's kind of a gunslinger. Uh, just a guy you want to play for. Not all the talent in the world, but he, he makes things happen. And I really I really like this uh, this Henderson kid on defense. I think he, you know, after Jalen Ramsey left, they were looking for the next guy, and I think he could be that guy. Um, and then James Robinson, out of nowhere, letting Leonard Fournette go. Everybody's like, what are you doing? And the coach, he stood up on the podium and said, it's not about salary. It's about we like the guys we got. We like these young guys. And so far, he 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 looks right. James Robinson looks like a really good runner. And maybe he did show out in practice. And maybe Doug Marone did say, hey, we can go a different direction and you know start this new transition and have a guy that's young and hungry and not with the baggage that, that comes with Leonard Fournette, whether that's being disgruntled as he has been in the past or the injury issues or his, his amount of volume that he's wanted. And which they talked about, you know, kind of transitioning to a new offense and a more high flying um, passing offense that, that Fournette wasn't going to be a part of. Uh, I think that's, I, I, I think, I think Doug Marone was right. I mean, so far Doug Marone has been proven to be right. That young guy has some talent and maybe he has, he is uh, on a different level than a Leonard Fournette, who has talent, but um, maybe it's not. Maybe the gap is not as big as we thought. So enough with the the tanking talk. We said it about the Dolphins last year, and they proved everybody wrong. We said it about Jacksonville this year, and they look to be proving everybody wrong. We could talk about the Jets now. They <laughs> now that that might be a team that we can we can question. Uh, but you know what? I, I don't think it's so much tanking. I just think they're atrocious. They don't have a clue in that front office or head coaching staff or that coaching staff what the hell they are doing. And again, it's not tanking. They just don't have a clue. So let, let's cut out the tanking talk. Um, and who I thought was going to be the worst team in the league in Jacksonville Jaguars are not. I, I actually have them uh, higher than a lot of teams. And we'll we'll get into my top five power rankings this week, but uh, Jacksonville's not in it, by the way. Uh, I know some. I know some of you uh, people in Florida were getting excited. No, no, Jacksonville is not in the top five, or the top ten, or the top fifteen, or the top twenty. But they're also not number thirty-two. So, you know, small victories, right? We got, we got, we got to take those small victories until we can, uh, until we can get 
get back to where we want to get um, like they did in 2017. We're going to talk about the NFC West. We're going straight to the wild, wild West. Man, uh, this is by far the best division in football. The NFC West is the best division in football. This is a gauntlet. If you're playing the NFC West this year, um, which unfortunately my my beloved Cowboys are, you are in for a a treat. Not only do you got to go and play the defending NFC champion 49ers with that defense and that coaching staff, but then you also got to play Seattle, who looks like they're just on another level this year with the addition of Jamal Adams on the defense and what Russell Wilson is doing offensively. It's just amazing. Early favorite for MVP. Obviously a great coach in Pete Carroll. Then you throw in what Cliff Kingsbury is doing in Arizona and Kyler Murray with DeAndre Hopkins and what Todd Bowles is doing with that defense. It's, it's starting to get scary. Uh, and then the Rams and Sean McVay looks to be back to his form from a couple of years ago. And I don't know. I don't know if anybody really wants to wants to see that division. Um, I think I think right now that that division is going to be it's going to be one of those divisions that goes down to the very end. I, I'm I'm pretty sure with the injuries the Niners suffered, they're going to have a hard time. They 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 need to rack up some wins early, especially beating up on these weak teams like they did the Jets this week. They get the Giants. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, it's going to be interesting to see how they are able to overcome these injuries with this this much depth in the division. And, and let me go back. I said Todd Bowles in Arizona. Uh, he was the head coach a few a few years ago. He's not the he's not the def- defensive coordinator in in Arizona. That he's the defense coordinator for Tampa Bay. So um, sorry, I was uh, I, I was. Tripping. I was back in 2016 or whatever it was. I met Vance Joseph, who, again, Vance Joseph has an extensive history of having really, really good defenses. Uh, but he's doing a really good job in in Arizona. And, you know, Vance was – he didn't get a, a great opportunity in Denver, in my opinion. I think – I think his, his, his defense was always solid. And I think he got kind of a raw deal in a place that they just didn't they, – they were missing on quarterbacks, and they never really had uh, the quarterback to support what he was trying to do there. So I, I, I like what Vance Joseph is doing with Arizona. And and then, again, the Rams and Sean McVay. And Sean McVay is – Sean McVay is, is a guy that is supposed to be boy genius. Um, who – I'm not going to go there. We saw what his offense did year one when he was with the Rams and year two. And then year three, it kind of took a dip and we saw the regression of Jared Goff. But then now he's looking like they're back and, you know, he's he's figured it out again. So the division is just tough. I, I don't see Seattle would be the favorite, I think, at this point with the way they're playing. But we have to, I mean, we, we're just going to have to wait and see. We're going to have to wait and see how the 49ers respond to the injuries. We're going to have to wait and see, is Arizona for real? And can they maintain this level of play? And with Kyler Murray, is he going to continue to to be as dynamic as he is without getting injured? 
and then will will Sean McVay continue to to out coach people? Um, so it, it, it's a tough division, man. Right right now, I have to say Seattle's the favorite, but I'm not I'm not excited to have to go through that gauntlet of teams. And we get Seattle this week. Uh, if you're a Cowboy fan, and then Arizona in a few weeks. We already lost to the Rams, and then we get the Niners later on in the season, <clears throat> which should be fun. But it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one, man. I, I just think the NFC West, hands down, best division in football. Um, maybe for years to come. They're they're all young teams, so I, they could be the best division in football for a while. <clears throat> Monday night, week three, Monday night game, game of the year. I cannot wait. Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, uh, Hollywood Brown, Mark Ingram, Mark Andrews. J.K. Dobbins, just talent all over the field. This Kansas City-Baltimore game, uh, it's – man, I, I wish it was Sunday night. But this Monday night game, there's going to be – all eyes are going to be on this game in Baltimore. And I still don't even know who I'm going to pick yet. I haven't made my selection. Uh, I have to figure it out before the end of the show, though. But it's going to be it's going to be the game of the year. And the winner of this game is going to be the early Super Bowl favorite, in my opinion. And possibly, depending on what Mahomes and Lamar Jackson do in comparison to like Russell Wilson, could throw their name in the in the hat for for MVP. And I'm telling you right now, this is a this is a big game for Lamar Jackson. It's a big game. You know, Mahomes has already done his thing. He's won MVP, won the Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson won the MVP, but Lamar has come up short in two playoff games, and that's the conversation right now: is a hey, can he win in the playoffs? You know, doing what he does. Does he have to develop into a better passer in order to win? And I personally don't think so. I think he's developed a lot. I think he's already a really good passer. I think that's underrated. And, and I think people just focus on his running. But I think he's already a really, really good passer. I, I don't think this is a make or break game for him. But on a larger scale, I think people are going to 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 place that pressure on him. So I think it's really, really important for Lamar Jackson to have a good game. And let's be honest, Kansas City's defense is not Baltimore's defense. So Baltimore's defense is a little better. I expect Patrick Mahomes to do Patrick Mahomes things. <laughs> That's not going to change. I mean, we saw it again Sunday. Doesn't matter how much he's down. Doesn't matter how bad he's playing. When the fourth quarter comes around, he's going to find a way to play well and make things happen. It's what he does. You you could just see a guy. Like, you see him do it early in his career, and you just know that it's not a fluke. It's not something maybe you're going to see once or twice. Like, that's him. I think that's where, like, him and Carson Wentz are different. Because we saw Carson Wentz do that in 2017. But when you watched him, it wasn't like, oh, this guy's going to be the greatest quarterback of all time. It was, he's doing his thing, but then you see him struggle, and you're like, man, he doesn't look good. And you don't have the same faith in him. You know, being able to recapture that that effectiveness like you do at Patrick Mahomes. It's two, it's just two different things, two different situations, two different players, and and you just don't see you don't see the same things in Carson Wentz you see in Patrick Mahomes. He has that. So I don't care if Mahomes struggles for a game, three quarters, whatever it is, like there's always this confidence. Like, eh, it doesn't matter. He's gonna he's gonna make it happen when he needs to. Um, so really looking forward to that game. 
so last week in the pick'em, I went eleven and five, much better than the first week. Uh, once I told you week two would be better. As, as we continue to progress, I, I do expect things should get better and better. Start making you guys a little bit of money. Uh, you need to follow these picks, man. I'm telling you, uh, I, I put on a lot of research and time uh, making these selections. You know, just matchups and 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 doing all that research for that it it's it matters and when you're playing especially when you're playing against the spread and you're not just picking these games as to who's going to win but playing against the spread is important and it's important to understand the the little intricate details so pay attention to these picks cuz I got you 11 and 5 last week love love the direction we're headed and by the way I'm 2 and 0 on my lock picks of the week so if you're missing out on the lock picks of the week you're not paying attention uh if you haven't noticed just pick against the jets pretty much a lock <laughs> You might find that happening again this week. No, I'm just playing. I'm not taking I'm not taking the Jets as my lock of the week this week. So again, last week eleven and five. Let's start getting into to week three's picks. Here we go. Let's start with uh Miami Jacksonville. Uh Battle of the Florida teams. Should be fans in the stands since Florida's one of the states allowing it. Jacksonville's at home. They are a three point favorite. I like their high high powered offense, but Miami is pesky, man. Miami is a team. They're just pesky. They just, you know, they they're dealing with a lot of injuries themselves. I'm still waiting to see when they're going to make that move to Tua, and I think you know Jacksonville's favored in this game by three. But I think Ryan Fitzpatrick and his veteran presence, and then um, the fact that their defense should give Gardner Minshew some fits. Miami has a, a defense that is capable. Brian Flores is a capable coach. His teams always compete. Um, I, I actually have Miami covering the three points in this one. I think it's close, and I think Miami ends up pulling this game out. Jacksonville puts up a valiant effort like always, but I have Miami winning this one, so I'll take Miami in the three points. Chicago goes to Atlanta. Uh, let's just Let's just bring it up now. This Atlanta coaching staff. Okay. How in the hell, how in the hell do you go up 20 to nothing? 29 to 10. 39-24 with five minutes left. Five minutes left. And you still lose. You have four turnovers. You create four turnovers. I, it, I, I. I can't even tell you what what I was experiencing when I was watching this Cowboys Falcons game. The first quarter was abysmal. I mean, Dallas did everything to give the game to Atlanta, and basically they did. I mean, we all thought it was over early. Then they battled, but every time the Dallas Cowboys drove down, scored a touchdown, Atlanta came right back, scored a touchdown, or kicked a field goal, or you know, just responded like they were, they were like, "No, we're not. This is not going to happen again. This is our game." And then the fourth quarter arrives. And I was having major deja vu and flashbacks of that 28-3 to comeback as this game's progressing in the fourth quarter. Number one, they didn't stop the Cowboys after the first quarter. They, they, they couldn't stop anybody. Dak just had his day. Zeke was all over the place. Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, you know, Dalton Schultz. I mean, they had their way with Atlanta from the second quarter on. But to lose a game on an onside kick and you have five guys just like circling the ball 
like it's a hot flame at a you know a hot campfire, and they're afraid to put their hands in it. I, I'm we're all screaming at our TV. What in the hell are you doing? There's there's only two things. Okay, so this there's only two things that's possible in my mind. There's only two things that could have could have warranted doing that. Number one is the coach informed the players, hey, if the ball's not going to go 10 yards, don't touch it. Sometimes we see players run up and try to jump on a ball before 10 yards, and the ball's never going to make it 10 yards, and they jump on it and it squirts out or hits off their chest or whatever, and then the other team gets it. So either you're coached not to touch the ball if it's not going to get to the 10-yard mark, or they were so poorly coached and confused, they didn't know who was supposed to get the ball. They didn't know who was supposed to jump on it versus who was supposed to take out the Cowboys players. That ball was spinning for what seemed like forever. It was just going and going and going. And I'm watching it the whole time. Oh, it might not make it 10 yards. Oh, wait, it's spinning the right way. Oh, wait, what are they doing? Why are they backing up? Where's Julio Jones? Why is he not on the front line? Oh, wait, did Cowboys just jump on it? What in the hell were the Atlanta Falcons thinking? You can't, I mean, honestly, you can write a script. You couldn't make this a movie and draw it up any better than that. The Atlanta Falcons cannot close. Dan Quinn has to go. I, I don't care whose fault it is. I don't care if the players were told, jump on it after. That is a poorly coached football team. To give up leads the way they're giving up leads. To play defense the way they're playing defense from a coach that was a defensive guy in Seattle. That guy needs to go. Enough excuses. Uh, he fired a bunch of coaches in the offseason. It's not getting better. Their offense, Dirk Cutter is doing an amazing job with their offense. They put up a ton of hollow yards and points. And <laughs> it's funny. I was watching the game and early, I think it was like late third quarter, early fourth. I was talking to my, my mom and I said, uh, the Falcons are going to have to score 40 points to win this game. Now, mind you, it looked like they were going to do that fairly easily. But I told her, I said, you know, we're going to keep scoring. They're going to have to score 40 to win. Well, I was right. Just another day at the office for me. A crazy, crazy, crazy stat. Teams that have <laughs> Teams that have scored that many points, 39 points, and have created four turnovers and didn't turn the ball over themselves. We're 440 and 0 since 1933. Had never lost. 440 games, 440 wins. No team had ever lost when that's happened. Well, welcome to 2020 and the 2020 Atlanta Falcons. They love making history. If it's not Brady, it's Dak. If it's not the Super Bowl, it's week two of the 2020 NFL season. Dan Quinn's got to go. I'm taking Chicago in this one plus three and a half. I don't believe in Atlanta. I like Chicago's defense. Don't need to talk about the Bears. They're 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 decent. Average quarterback. Doesn't matter. Atlanta, Atlanta just can't close. I'm taking the Bears plus three and a half. Rams visit Buffalo. Buffalo is favored by two. This is going to be a really good game. Interested to see what Josh Allen does against a, a pretty solid defense in Aaron Donald. Jalen Ramsey. But I am going to go with Buffalo. I think they're a really good team. Stephon Diggs, with the addition of, of him, uh, makes that offense dynamic. Love what they got in the backfield in Singletary and Moss. I'm going to take Buffalo minus two. 
The Washington football team heads to Cleveland, and I think this is the worst line of the week. I think people got excited because Cleveland beat Cincinnati, and they still barely won that game. Um, I'm taking Washington plus seven. I think that's way too many points for a Cleveland team that's just underperformed over the past couple of seasons. Washington plus seven on in the worst line of the week. Tennessee goes to Minnesota, and a Minnesota's a home underdog. Uh, based on the first two weeks, I don't, I don't, I'm not surprised, and I can understand why. But being at home in a must, in a pretty much a must-win situation in that division, I'm going to take Minnesota. I think Kirk Cousins bounces back. Uh, Tennessee was was shredded by Gardner Minshew last week. They they probably should have got a beat against Denver the week one. They haven't looked great. They're just finding ways to win. I'm going to take Minnesota plus the two and a half. Niners go back to, to MetLife and have to play on that terrible turf against the Giants. Giants are four and a half point underdogs. If Jimmy Garoppolo plays, I'm taking the Niners. If Jimmy Garoppolo does not play, I'm taking the Giants. So I know I, there's no definite answer yet. So that's my answer. It's my show. I can do what I want. Deal with it. Once you find out Jimmy G plays, take the Niners. If he doesn't, take the Giants, plus the four and a half. Cincinnati goes to Philly. Oh, I hate this game. I hate Joe Burrow. hate Carson Wentz. This is a terrible game. I don't even want to pick this. Do I have to pick this game? I, I really just want to skip this game. No, no, no. I'll pick, I'll pick it. I'll pick it. I'll pick it. Um, let's go Cincinnati. I'm going to go Cincinnati plus six. The Eagles are not impressive. Carson Wentz is has been playing bad. Um, if he's going to find, if he's going to choose a game to, to get right, this would be it. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to moonwalk. I'm not going to walk back my statement about Joe Burrow, but I am going to give credit where credit is due. And I want some of you that came at me with the whole Joe Burrow talk. I want you to pay attention because I'm, I'm willing to admit things when, when he performs Joe Burrow against Cleveland looked pretty good. Um, he's looked a lot better than I thought he would early in the season. And that's with an A.J. Green that hasn't looked very good. A.J. Green doesn't seem to be the same player. Uh, they're not able to run the ball. The O-line is still atrocious, like I said. The defense is still bad, as I stated, which is why I didn't believe he would be successful. Because those things, and you have a rookie quarterback, it makes it very difficult. But the eyeball test of Joe Burrow, he's... He's not as bad as I thought he as I thought he would be early in the season. Um, do I think there's there's room for growth? Yeah, I, I do. I think I think there's a little bit of room for growth there if he if he continues to to trend this way. Um, maybe I might be wrong. Maybe he won't be a backup. Who knows? But doesn't take away from the fact that they're still bad and they're still zero and two. And when you're losing, doesn't matter how many numbers you put up, you're still losing. And that's you know it's the Matt Stafford argument. It's the could be the Garner Minshew argument. You can put up a lot of numbers, but if you're losing, you're not going to be impressive to me. Like it's just another loss. So uh, I do. I am impressed with what I've seen thus far from Joe Burrow, especially in that Cleveland game. Uh, he showed he showed some toughness and you know getting hit a lot with that offensive line. But he he hung in there and he and he hasn't thrown a pick and you know not throwing a pick in a game like that. Um, it's saying a lot for a rookie quarterback. Rookie quarterbacks make mistakes. So I think I think they go into Philly 
And I think they keep it close. I, I don't know if they win, but I think they keep it close. I'll take Cincinnati plus six. <clears throat> Houston goes to Pittsburgh, and this is my lock of the week. Pittsburgh looks good. Um, their, their defense is the real deal, man. That, that defense is phenomenal. It's my favorite word, right? Phenomenal. I use it a lot. That defense is phenomenal. Uh, they're only three-and-a-half-point favorites. Houston doesn't have a clue what they're doing. That offensive line is bad. Deshaun Watson's going to be running for his life. They soar, They truly, truly missed DeAndre Hopkins. Bill O'Brien is another coach that I think should be fired. Uh, he's he's taken that team, and he's just – they had some really, really good teams, and he's done nothing with it. I'm going Pittsburgh minus three-and-a-half in this one. All right, we're going to get through these next couple of games really quickly here and call it a show. Jets in Indianapolis, I will take the Colts minus 10 and a half. Carolina and the Chargers, I will take the Chargers minus seven. Carolina loses Christian McCaffrey. Big loss for them. That's their whole offense. Uh, don't think they can compete with the Chargers. And Chargers came off a tough loss, but they did play tough against Kansas City, and I, I liked that. And Herbert looked really good. Tampa Bay goes to Denver. Denver is riddled with injuries on both defense and offense. I don't think that they're going to be able to keep up with Tampa Bay. I'll take Tampa Bay minus six and a half. Detroit and Arizona. Arizona looks good. Detroit looks like Detroit always looks. Matt Patricia, we talked about him last week. At what point are we just going to give up on him and these Bill Belichick disciples? Arizona minus five and a half. I will take them. Two games that don't have lines. The Raiders against the Patriots. I don't care what the line is. I am taking the Patriots. The Raiders are super impressive. I told you about them at the beginning of the season. They are one of my sleeper teams. However, Cam Newton looks real good. And I'm I'm possibly walking that one back as well. Cam Newton looks like he's 2015 Cam all over again. And if that's the case with Bill Belichick, uh, look out. So I will take... I will take New England in that one regardless of the line. Green Bay travels to New Orleans. Michael Thomas being injured is a big, big deal. The Saints do not look the same without him. Uh, I have concerns about Drew Brees and the age factor and his ability to be as accurate as he's been in the past. Obviously, he's not mobile. I will take Green Bay in this one. Again, I'm assuming the Saints are favored being at home. The line's going to be small regardless. I think Green Bay wins outright. And then Monday night, Kansas City, Baltimore. I've been racking my brain all day which team I was going to go. Baltimore's favored by three and a half. I think that's too big of a number. This game is going to be close. I could see it being a field goal game. Justin Tucker maybe at the end. But I'm going to take Kansas City because um, they can definitely outright win the game. But even if they lose, I don't think it's going to be by more than a field goal. So I will take Kansas City minus three and a half. I'm sorry. Kansas City plus three and a half in Baltimore. And so my lock of the week, again, is Pittsburgh over Houston. And I have Dallas plus five and a half. Miami plus three. Chicago plus three and a half. Buffalo minus two. Washington plus seven. Minnesota plus two and a half. New England, regardless of the line. If Garoppolo plays, Niners minus four and a half. If he does not, Giants plus four and a half. Cincinnati plus six, Pittsburgh minus three and a half, lock of the week. Indianapolis minus ten and a half, the Chargers minus seven, Tampa Bay minus six and a half, Arizona minus five and a half, Green Bay outright winning the game regardless of the line, and Kansas City plus three and a half. Get those picks in. 
uh, win your pickums that you're playing at work. Throw some scratch on it with your local bookie. Take a trip to Reno, Vegas, Atlantic City, wherever you're going. Put those picks in. Let's have another good week. I uh, appreciate you guys all for listening. Check out my Twitter page at S2 Podcast or my Instagram as sideline to sideline underscore podcast. And again, I appreciate all the listeners. This was a crazy episode. We've had technical difficulties. But no matter what, no matter what, we're going to keep putting out content. So regardless of what it looks like, what it sounds like, we're going to keep bringing you this shit. And it's not going to stop. I got some special things coming. I got a special interview coming over the next couple of weeks, special guest. And I'm just going to keep, we're going to keep it going, man. So I appreciate you all listening. Have a great weekend. Week three is here. Peace out.